so this is another episode of A Billion Bad Ideas. Uh, I'm going to do an intro this time. I'm Ben Wallace. I'm here with Clayton Smith and Stephen Luna. Names and this week this we're going to talk wow. about... Uh, no, we're, to get, we're getting our feet underneath us here. What, week 18? <laughs> finally figuring <laughs> things out. Uh, this week I wanted to talk about archetypes. And I've wanted to get to this for a while. I love stock characters. I love stock lines. If someone says it's quiet... I'll explode like Roger Rabbit if somebody doesn't say too quiet. You know, it's just there are so many things we we've been conditioned to um, just uh, um, understand or just even just we've seen it so often that it just it, we take not take it for granted, but just like we know how things are supposed to play out. And a lot of what I do, I like to play with those tropes and those archetypes and those those things. And um, one thing I find handy is the, the reader's already convinced They've seen something so much like that before in their life. They know what's going on. So there's a lot of fun you can have without really lying to or misleading someone, just like playing on um, kind of the collective knowledge of what a character would be like. And those, of course, are archetypes. And there's no shortage of them. There's um, the hero, the sage, the smuggler, the wise old man. But I want to talk tonight about one of my favorite, and that is the henchman or henchmen or henchwomen. Um, it is such a, there's such a variety within that. But um, I think even uh, in, in all the different things we write, as long as the antagonist has some kind of assistant, I think that kind of starts to qualify as the henchman. So tonight we're going to talk about the different types of henchmen and how you all would go about writing um writing that character, signing those characters. First of all, do any of you already have like a favorite henchman or a favorite type of henchman? I was thinking about this a lot when you were, when you first told us that we were going to talk about henchmen. And I should say too, even going back a little bit, the idea that we're going to do tropes. I love, I think this is a great idea that you've had because I think tropes get like a, a the short end of the stick. People, you know, kind of decry tropes and you know, why are you relying on those? But like, Hey, they're fun. Right. And we, mm -hmm. you know, they're, they're as, as consumers of entertainment, of media, of whatever sort, we're all kind of, you know, we're conditioned to, to, to expect those things. And it's a really nice payoff, I think, when you use that as a kind of a, a device. So, uh, I, I think, you know, I, it's, it's weird. I started thinking about it. It's so weird that tropes get such a, a bad rap when, you know, if you use them well, I guess they are mm -hmm. really fun and they're really enjoyable. And, <clears throat> certainly can be useful for writers as we kind of try to figure out how to muddle our way through a story. Um, well, I think they're necessary too. And I think tropes get confused a little too much with cliches. Yeah. Cliches are tired tropes. If you start to remove them, it, people notice, especially if you're doing any kind of work in any kind of genre, if you don't have the right tropes in there, it'll be flat out rejected. Yeah. Um, now there's a lot of latitude and liberty you can take with those tropes, but yeah, they, you, you and there's just no way to avoid them. There's, there's a million of them. There's no way you can't and for a reason can't right? use them. Yeah, for uh, a reason. But anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, your when your you favorite type of henchman. That, yeah, the henchman was coming. But I, my first thought was my. I think my introduction to henchmen really was the old Batman, the Adam West Batman TV show, where the henchman for all the bad guys was like that kind of stock, you know, big blocky white guy in the the turtle, the black turtleneck and the black pants and the black hat, and they had like sometimes numbers I think on their chest. I think they had black and white striped prison uniforms, right? Like, weren't they like, like Did they maybe they had everything except for the sack of money, the sack with the dollar sign on it. Like they I don't were, know. Maybe that's right. What am I thinking of? I don't know. But that rolled up ski masks. 
I don't know that, that, that you know, it's the same thing basically like the mm-hmm. kind of like stock oh, yeah. character of the kind of the big, the, the brawn over brains kind of like, do, 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 you know, I'm going to do this thing. Um, and it's such an interesting, it's, it's an interesting way to portray henchmen because if you think like, if I'm, if I'm a villain, if I'm an antagonist, if I'm like carrying out some nefarious scheme, I would like capable people around me. The, the, the henchmen in those shows, those old shows, like they were the least capable people I've ever seen in any sort of storytelling. Like they, they looked imposing, but you know, they would fall at, you know, the slightest touch of Robin's hand and, you know, no, no shade on Burt Ward, but he's not a large person. Like, I don't think that he actually should be able to take those people down, but he could very easily with no superpowers and just a little bit of um, flexibility. It wasn't the actual you know? hit. It was the sound effect that right. came out of it. Yeah, that that's did the true. Damage, that's true. Right? That's a good point. Yeah. yeah the, those, those purple spikes. It was the whap that really got him, you. not the... So that yeah. was what I first thought of. And I, I love that. I haven't, so I don't, I don't know if I'd say that's my favorite, but it's certainly a classic and certainly, um, by my, you know, the first thing that pops up and it really reminds me of my childhood and kind of sort of in some ways, my beginnings of my storytelling style. Uh, and I really, it was fun to kind of think back on that. Luna, do you have any thoughts on henchmen? <laughs> I think, <laughs> I think when I was a kid and I would watch Batman and I would see the henchmen, I would think, Oh, they're comic relief. They're not really, they don't have much of a purpose other than to sort of um, they're almost like human MacGuffins to kind of move the story along so that the the villain doesn't have to do all of the dirty work themselves. They can be off screen. Henchmen can be off screen doing stuff and stuff still gets taken care of. So while the villain is really like in front of the camera and monologuing to the hero, all their evil plans have taken, you know, have kind of taken place. So they're sort of they were sort of like a vehicle or device. And then I was, and then I turned ten. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but really, then we watched. Um, maybe he doesn't count as a henchman, but Cato from uh, the Pink Panther movies, and the fact that he became such a secondary main character in his mm-hmm. in his conflicts and confrontations with uh, Inspector Clouseau. And I know they were good guys, but it always felt like okay, he's sort of a henchman because he's. He's there to help him. He's there to save him, but he's always kind of keeping him on his toes too. Um, yeah. So that's what I came to see a henchman as being as sort of the long suffering guy who gets things done, even though he looks like a buffoon um, on the side. So, so my idea kind of sophisticated as I, as I grew up and now I kind of see henchmen as necessary parts of an evil plot because you can't do it all yourself. There's just not enough hours in the day to execute all your evil by yourself. So they're they're needed and they're um, they can be fun if you do them in the right way. Can I posit a theory? Hearing you, Luna, before Ben says anything, mm-hmm. does this have to do with that, my age? Because if so, then no, of course. no, <laughs> uh, no. Differently, it does not. Okay. Ben, what Luna is talking about was that a direct inspiration for Bertrand in the Damien um, Stockwell series? Cato, yeah. Was Cato? Yeah, he's got certainly some Cato qualities to him. He doesn't. Uh, he doesn't pull the random attacks, which was the best. One of the best running jokes that ever was. was, that was we hiding on top this. of the canopy. Oh, oh yeah, gosh. we the would Cato, just wait for uh, this. Like, when is he coming on? And my sisters, my sisters tapped into it. My older sister would um, impersonate Inspector Clouseau just so she could call us Cato, and so it became like a part of our family zeitgeist. <laughs> What kind of a bomb was it? The exploding kind. <laughs> it, uh, uh, Clouseau was, yeah, he was best. No, what I was thinking was he, he you've done it again. You jumped to one of my follow up questions, which was uh, 
is a henchman just not a evil sidekick or can a sidekick be a henchman when you started going down that path that was one i wanted to kind of talk about oh, so i think what you mentioned too is no that's okay um <laughs> one thing i think there's certainly uh, a ladder that uh, you know uh, there's an org chart with the henchmen and you have the goons and you have the <laughs> the muscle and you have the fodder and the macguffins that just go out there they're there to, for robin to get punched but the further you move up the ladder you get to the more um is almost a secondary villain or something like that and i think it is i mean the tool itself the is boss, there to right? build yeah the mini boss <laughs> then the, the big boss and the, the tool is it, it's a narrative device to to build build the action the closer they get to the the closer the protagonist gets to the goal the fiercer the henchmen have to become or the more capable and competent they have to become so i think it's something like austin powers where the whole evil secondary evil team that are henchmen who each have a different capability and a different um inability so there's not really he's got mini me on his chest who just kind of like you know reaffirms every stupid thing that he says without saying it and then he's got his son who tries to be his henchman but is rebellious and doesn't want to <laughs> doesn't want to go along and he's got that creepy little lady who i think he was married to who's his son's mother who is sucking up to him so hard and then so there's like they portray this whole array of henchmen where none of of them are entirely useful but all of them kind of contribute something so you get one henchman cut into five different pieces or however many there are you you apply at at you know base henchman when you fill out your application (laughs) the internship that's That's right that's your hydra your hydra soldier right okay yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. and then you work your way you've got by proving uh, yourself yeah the the closer you are to the, the main antagonist i think the higher you are in the ranks for sure but it's all henchmen. All henchmen. So I think it's a very broad term. I think, yeah, it's. Uh, I think it. I think it covers all the ranks, and I like. I have always liked the variety of henchmen too, because it's not just the goon and it's not just the muscle. You have the evil scientist can be the henchman, uh, like um, even kind of the just the sadist. You know, there's always like the the torture expert. It's the henchman that that pops up in Mission Impossible and Bond all the time. Bond is probably the best series for to look sure. at or to, to yeah. for, for divining henchmen but i like the kind of other stuff like that you don't see on screen sometimes like um like someone's got to care for all the piranha right like there's a vet on the staff <laughs> that is, is watching after the the sharks in the tank it's not just it's the, the only time i think we've seen it on film is the the rancor keeper in return of the jedi <laughs> right like he was just there to take care of the thing but like the like a zookeeper he doesn't really get yeah, he's a zookeeper like there's I, I, I like to picture like an evil animal handler um something like that uh, but well, the, the, there's got to be different jobs within the organization but i true. think anything is kind of falls under that henchman somebody has to fill the canisters with poisonous gas and somebody's got to clean the batmobile that feels almost like its own it's like a side short story, right? So, so like, is there a level of henchman that is so low that suddenly they become the hero of their own story? And so if you're like a middling henchman, you're just in the background. But if you're so low, you could get your own little like side little short and uh, you could be your own your own uh, little hero. So you're having I an imagine- idea is what you're saying? You're going you're gonna to write this up? Not for myself, but I, you know, I think about the people who are handling the piranhas in the, uh, you know, the, the underground volcano lake or whatever. Like, that seems like a story worth telling. Why couldn't you do it? Because um, um, I don't have any 
of those in my story. I would, I think, what I think about that, I think about like, what are the, well, I could, but I, I think like, what are the, in my own story, like, what are the, now I'm thinking who are the, who are the potential henchmen I've overlooked? Like they, I should tell those stories. Like I feel obligated now suddenly. Thanks a lot, Ben, to tell those stories. Yeah. And I think Ben probably would be the one to have some sort of piranha overlord um, in his books. And I think Ben, you should. You should tell that story. It's really important. All of a sudden, I've pictured a group, that you of, do that. a group of uh, <laughs> I've pictured a group of henchmen that are so frustrated with the failures, the constant failures of their boss that they're just like, "Look, if we did this ourselves, like you know, we all we warn them, and then the volcano, you know, just, I almost picture a break room full of henchmen. One guy comes walking in, smoking because the volcano went up in flames or whatever, <laughs> and that dumbass did it again. Like, there's got to be disgruntled henchmen that feel they could do better. There's got to be there, stories about that out there. There's got to be a thing that exists. Are they a union be. or are they like freelancers? <laughs> you know, if fun. you go back and you look at the G.I. Joe comics, not the show, but the comics and you get you, the, the original Marvel run. If you delve into that, they did such a good play on like, like Cobra had a dental plan. <laughs> Cobra had <laughs> recreational centers that they would send their troops to, to get away from it all and like recoup and stuff like that. Like they were basically like secret um country clubs that was one of the perks of employment with cobra <laughs> and they that's there's there's nothing new right there's nothing new in there but they the, the ideas have have been explored but even that like i mean it's easy to see the henchmen in um in an evil organization but it, going back to what luna was saying is is the sidekick really the heroes the protagonist henchman and in any story, if there's an antagonist, do they have some form of like, is there, you know, even um, like Jurassic World? I was just watching that, you know, the evil corporation and the lackey that's there. Igor was a henchman, right? For, for Frank Frankenstein. What does it mean to hench? Henching? Yeah. What is henching? Let's look you it know, up. That's an interesting thing. Here we go. One of us should look it up. To the internet. Who's got the internet? <laughs> hench. Does it have a definition? I've a never seen it without. Uh, oh no! It just says henchman. Strong, Here, fit, hench. and having well-developed muscles. <laughs> there you go. Okay, that's that's the only definition for it, henchman. So it must be from like the 1700s because nobody uses that in the 20th, early 19th century. Yeah, the etymology 21st, early 21st century, perhaps from henchman. We may have gone backwards on it. Oh, huh. I see the def the. Use it in a sentence. There's nothing funnier than seeing a really hench guy walk a tiny dog. I would not know what the person was saying if they said that. Here's what I got. Middle yeah. English from Old English, hengist, meaning male horse. The original sense being probably groom of a horse, but then Horseman. transitioning into a workhorse. So basically. Kind of somebody who watches after your steed. horse while you're... Okay, well, we're workhorse, maybe. Okay. Yeah. So if you're thinking of the definition in terms of workhorse, like, you know, for Apocalypticon, for example, like, I guess Ben would be a henchman because he's kind of like the the workhorse for that main duo. Well, do they mean workhorse or do they mean the person who actually tended to the horses? Well, I think originally it was the person who tended to the horses, but okay. I don't, you know, I don't know. Because now it says henchmen is just, oh, it says derogatory too. How dare they? Wow. <laughs> a faithful follower of honor. or supporter, especially one prepared to engage in crime or dishonest practices by way of service. Or historical squire or page of honor to a person of rank. So it doesn't even have to be. So it, it doesn't have to terrible be terrible or a real honor. That's right. That's good. That's, <laughs> That's clear. The top that, of the that bottom. clears it up. 
That's no, good. No in between. So what we're talking about maybe are those in between henchmen where they're like, oh, I could be a hero if I wanted yeah. to, or a I think, I think I it's a little of both. You've got you've got the fodder. You've got even the uh, abused henchmen. There's a lot of those. You see, oh, towards sure. the end, they'll they'll yeah. turn on the turn on the antagonist yeah but there's also the the right hand man and the the next in line and the sure um stuff like that so it could be i guess depending on the organization and the antagonist whether it's a honorable role or a yeah well now in this definition um, it compares them to minions it uses that as a secondary definition i always thought of minions minion, as i think sort of minion like, is a henchman but that's certainly like to me bottom and bottom right? rung of the that's henchman like ladder level, right? yeah. that's what i thought like yeah. powerless followers who are just kind of yeah. glommed on to the, the villain well it's interesting because if i again i think about apocalypticon like the red caps on the train most of them would be like kind of that mid-level to low-level henchmen like they they have names and they do things but they kind of yeah. carry out the the but, acts right but then like well bloom would be sort is, of the villain right and then everybody bloom's a villain but then calico is like the right hand man, but I think he would, I would think of him as a henchman also like a different, very different kind of henchman than the rest of the kind of nameless red caps, but sort of the second command and kind of like the lapdog style yeah. and more brutal and more evil than the main guy. So the main guy doesn't have to be as vicious. Yeah. He's sort of got a fall guy and someone to, you know, yeah. to do the muscle stuff too. Yeah, that's true. Wow. Henchmen, henchmen are very complicated. In your works, what do you guys think of as when you think of henchmen in your own books? What do you what do you think of? None. <laughs> yeah, one of well, one of my favorite henchmen, I think, um, looking back, was Starscream because he was always trying to oh, usurp, <laughs> you know, any chance he got to pull the trigger on a lot on of upward mobility happening in Starscream. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and again, I, I I love playing with these kind of things. So, like, mine are kind of designed from the beginning to to be that kind of thing. But I've got I've got the the subversive henchman is um, a great character to me. I've always enjoyed that. Someone just an opportunistic. Um, POS just ready to step in when they can but uh, you, you nailed too Linda I think the henchman is a great thing to they seem to be I don't know that it's necessarily they're, they're capable of being crueler or more violent but they, they shield the antagonist from displaying those character, uh, characteristics yeah. until almost until necessary because you start to think boy if this guy's that bad how bad right. is the the big bad you know right. how evil is the is the big bad and he's smart um, enough too to say i'm not going to get my hands dirty if i don't need to so let me get somebody who's you know a, a knee breaker so that they can be they can be on the well on the a lot of that line. is like yeah. here's the person who will do that physical thing that i'm not so interested in like i'm more of a cerebral type as the yeah. the main you know the main mm -hmm. bad guy but here's someone who is like really fucking vicious mm -hmm. what's well, like uh, that person's always like the second in command well, and that but what you have too is people who say Okay, well, how bad can you be if you've got somebody else doing your stuff? And there are a lot right. of great movies where they say, "Oh, he'll show you. <laughs> he can." He's, well, he's Kingpin, even more wild, I think, but, is a great example. If oh, you've been yeah. watching the Marvel, the Marvel, anything with Kingpin, he was like, yeah, professional businessman, reserved, and he had other people doing his bidding. But when he was ready to put somebody's head in a car door, yeah. he did it. You know, yeah. like it. Um, yeah. I think there's a. It, it, the henchman gives the villain a stoicism that's kind of foreboding. I like that about it. Yeah, so. I think it allows them to be in control but still get their message across. So I can be composed and I can be sinister, but I don't have to be violent about it. I've got people who will do it for me. But if I want to show you, 
that you're really messing with somebody serious, then I'll, you know, I'll kind of take off the yeah, gloves. That's a good use. I think of henchmen like to make them yeah. seem like a shield, but they're not a shield. They yeah. are one tool, rung down. Right? And just, yeah. 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 And I like the ones that are kind of more loosely associated. I was looking a little bit and they were saying there was a couple in like the bond movies, um, like Baron Somdi in uh, live and let die. He was more of an associate than a henchman. He was kind of muscle for, um, for the villain, but really like, yeah, whether the villain succeeds or not, he's got his own thing going on. I've, I've got uh, like even like Boba Fett. They always say Boba Fett's a henchman. He kind of had his own thing going too. take the empire, leave the empire. He was his own thing independent of it. And I like characters like that, too, where they, they're it's almost the, the mercenary or whatever. I've, I've got characters like that. There's uh, uh, Mr. Christopher is a villain in a few of the duck and cover books where he's hunting. He's hunting the uh, protagonist working for the big bad but the, the big bad's almost just as afraid of mr you know he's got a reputation and everybody's pretty wary of this guy he's more of a i guess the henchman can be a means to an end at the same time the freelancers are those henchmen i guess for I a time know. yeah as long as it serves for their hire right they're sort of a yeah that's what they're contractor yeah, henchmen <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah. You don't have the zealous loyalty, which is something I think you normally want in a henchman. Yeah, you want someone who's going to put their number on their sweater for sure. That's what you want. <laughs> I want I, clearly labeled goon or henchman. That's yeah, that's, yeah. that's the person I want. <laughs> the caliber of person and I want. Is it is a henchman? Does a henchman even in a group have anything more to do than just sort of be? So I'm thinking like Jaws in um, Moonraker where he was just there to chew people. <laughs> he had the teeth and the horrible <laughs> dental work. And he's just there to, he's an assassin essentially, like, you know, just on hand instead of sneaking off to do anything, he's standing next to, you know, I don't even know who the villain was in that one, but you know, he's always on hand. So he's, he's like a Zax. weapon. Zax. Okay. So he's Drax. like, a, well, I have Drax. not seen this one. Drax, is this yeah. Lazenby, right? No, this was no, Roger this Moore. This was uh, Roger Moore. Was so, it? Yeah. It's such a child. Shuttles. Before yeah. you were born. Drax was the villain. Before well, they were, were all before I was born. Well, that's... No. I know, Pierce Brosnan. Half of them weren't. Oh, gosh. Who's that? <laughs> um, but he was... That's all he was there for was the spectacle of... Oh, my... So you don't even know who Jaws is that I'm talking about. He's like... Well, I've seen Jaws in the special version of the GoldenEye video game, so let's not say I don't know who he is. But, oh, that's um, not really. He's an unlockable character, I he think. He's already so, dead. Yeah. So I get it. I, so I get it. Okay. Yeah. So he has the metal teeth, and that's really, hey, he was just like this when I, when I was a kid, and it was out. It's like, holy smokes, look at that guy. He's so huge, and he's got metal teeth, and he's chewing through cables. <laughs> like, you know, he's, he's doing these things. So he was. Jaws is such a great example because he's the only uh, henchman to work for two villains. Oh, that's He's the true, only one that came back because he was in he yeah. was in the spy that loved me as well. Yeah. Wow, spoilers, no big deal. So, but, yeah. Well, you're, you're bragging <laughs> about 1981. <laughs> that's um, cool. Like having a, a henchman with such a specialty, I think that that's, that's cool. Well, that's, that's what a, makes me think too. Is he a, is he a hench? Is it like a Swiss Army knife where you have different henchmen with different abilities? Is it a hench yes. like one henchman who can do multiple things, or is that one if you have? one character who's a villain with one henchman is that henchman really a henchman or is there some other 
trope that he's filling. I think you as like have a, a specialized. No, I think I think Jaws is absolutely probably he's one a, of the defining characters of of henchmen. Okay. Yeah, and he'd be the he'd be the muscle, right? But like yes. I said, we have different ones, and there's there's the there's the scientist, there's the uh, yes, uh, there's always the torture expert. That's someone that has a very special mm-hmm. set of skills and and a big bag of dental tools. And it seems you know, like there are that's people who kill one. like assassins who kill in different ways. So. Hey, mm-hmm. here's the poisoner and here's the martial artist and here's the sword expert. Each of them yeah. are considered a different kind of hench- henchman. I think too. they're all, they're all so. henchmen. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. I think, I think just again, the closer you get to the, that, that'd be another level down. Right. And okay. maybe jaw, someone like a jaws level is dispatching them. Gotcha. So yeah, like middle management really henchmen. Middle management. Yes, upper exactly. Management exactly. I think henchmen. does henchmen even have to be uh, a person, you know, like we've seen, uh, Zombies, mm-hmm. ghosts, maybe ghost henchmen. Zombies are people uh, too. Go on. Uh, the frighteners. <laughs> well, they were more sidekicks, right? But he was working with the ghosts. Yes. Um, well, what about, so what about something like like uh, Masters of the Universe? Would would those I was thinking about this characters be henchmen, or would they be a team of independent villains who kind of serve the same purpose? Because they this was actually my exact question. It was? I'm so glad you brought this up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so think about the new the new He Man, right? The Masters like uh, so He Man obviously is the hero, but in the new one especially he's oh, not. Spoilers. Sorry, oh, spoilers. You watch everybody. It. You watching this now. Ben? It's so oh, no, good. I have. I loved it. Oh, yeah, that's great. oh my God, it's amazing. Yeah. Both versions are Sarah so Michelle Geller character, whose name I do not recall at all. But Tila, um, come on, Tila, Tila. thank you. Yeah. I, it's look, man. I've got two very small children. <laughs> I, my brain retains nothing. Um, but she's really, in a lot of ways, like the hero of the show, yeah. right? But mm-hmm. He Man is still also the hero. So I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't think of Tila as a henchman, but I would oh, think no. of a lot of those characters as henchmen. Well, um, and you're. Have you not watched Fisto? The- is it Fisto? I love Fisto. Oh, okay. He's alive for like 30 <laughs> seconds. I'd like to fist him. But you can't say that, Fisto. <laughs> but he's like a perfect henchman. He's good. But you yeah. haven't watched the so simultaneously they had a kids kids CGI version come out also that reinvents. Oh, really? Yeah. It reinvents it's not and it's not called He-Man and the Masters. It's the Masters of the Universe. Maybe that one's called He-Man and the Masters. They're a team. So instead of it just being He-Man who does this stuff, instead of it's just being whoever's left behind, when he when he finds out that he's not just Prince Adam, he's, you know, whatever, the yeah. Grayskull um, warrior, he gives each of his friends a power so they can be a team. And in the same way, <laughs> so. when Skeletor brings people back, each one of them has their own, they're almost like bucking for their own uh, place in the whole history. So they seem like henchmen, but they act like independent villains um, a conglomeration, if you will, of of evil. No, I have a follow up question to this, but I would say, <laughs> wait, you're the host. Beast Man. Beast Man is definitely. I think anyone Skeletor's demeaning is is would be a henchman, right? So, like, except for what's her name, Lena Headley's character. I, you know, I don't know the actors. Not Evil Lynn. Evil Lynn. Evil Lynn. Yeah. Who becomes? But she's you know, kind of in Tiwa's place, right, for this show. Like, yeah, except she is more. She spends more time like in the henchman role, I think, for a long time, and then thinking she's being promised becomes, something like, oh, yeah, well, and my, that's my yeah, deal. but that's kind yeah. of her journey too, is to find out she's more than a henchman, yeah. possibly. So mm-hmm. that's that's an interesting look. Yeah, I like the way they looked at it thirty years later. 
or yeah. I guess it was probably about 30 years later and came back to it. It was kind of that post-apocalyptic version of it was great. And it, it really yeah. did more for the characters than before. But like Beast Man was, even in this role, he was he was a henchman for sure. <laughs> yeah, for he sure. Like, yeah, absolutely. I don't know when you get to the whole like Skeletor, Hordak comparison. I don't know who's who's where on what. <laughs> I don't what? even know if the timelines are the same or anything. <laughs> what I thought was different about it was they all, f- like they argue with each other. Like they're not all on the same side all the time. They're sort of. And especially in this CGI one where it's more aimed at kids, there's conflict yeah. among the henchmen. So it kind of feels like they're trying to introduce see, them as, as a suite of characters. So the good guys are working as a team and the bad guys can't get it together. Yes. I think that's so somewhere. But yeah. when my kids started watching cartoons like that, every moral was teamwork and it didn't matter what show it was. It was always teamwork. And it, it was just like, okay, again with the team, like, okay, teamwork's good, but really six weeks in a row. And um, <laughs> that's all we got. You know, thanks, Ben 10. But then I'm like, okay, so they're watching like Danny Phantom. I'm like, okay, well, there's just one of him at least can't. Well, in this episode, Danny Phantom duplicates himself so he can learn to work as a team. <laughs> what? Like, there's other lessons, <laughs> but it seems like that seems to be the whole structure of that. Like, hey, what's <laughs> He-Man shares with his friends and they're all all a team. And look at these bad guys. They can't get it together. They're such a disorganized mess because they all, they're all out for themselves and they're yes. selfish. And that's well, why it never works out for it's them. It's interesting that you bring that up because in this I kid, haven't seen it. In this kid <laughs> one, <laughs> but in the kid one, um, and I can't think of which character it is now either, but shh. She's on like her own personal journey and she becomes almost more powerful than He-Man. Not even temporarily. She sort of becomes the one who has to, they all, they're all crucial, but she's kind of more crucial than, than the others and him. So it almost feels like more than teamwork, they realize that young people can understand complex stories with more than one character kind of going on and it gives that, them 10 episodes instead of three episodes to kind yeah. of tell And that story. complexity I think is really important because you think about even that He-Man, the, the, the new one for, 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 for the grownups, <laughs> for the adults, you see those, you know, the, the henchmen who I think are, you know, hands down henchmen who go and start, you know, following motherboard. Yeah. You could oh, yeah. see in the mm-hmm. next season, maybe they become actually greater than henchmen, yeah. depending on how that storyline plays out. Right. Yeah. So that kind of shifting, you know, Loyalty. status level, yeah. Is really it's a really great storytelling because you can take a henchman yeah. and raise them up, sure. and suddenly you could take a hero and put them down, and suddenly yeah. they become I don't know heroes well, and never henchmen, but like they become yeah, some like more people, more like humans trying to figure out yeah. how to. And walk I wonder the line. if it's not part of the desire for everybody to want to have their own universe now, right? With like with Marvel did it, Marvel succeeded in saying, "Hey, we have all these characters." And they get three movies and this character gets three movies. It's an all part of a greater thing. How much of it is an effort to, I, mean, I, I think it's great for storytelling. I think it's cool when the henchman isn't just a muscle. They've got their own ambitions. Like you're trying Triclops, I think is the character, right? That's like leading yes, the Triclops, cult. Yeah. And I think the whole thing with the, the He-Man revelations is they're kind of aimless without Skeletor around. And it's interesting to see who stepped up, who didn't. Merman, I think was leading his people back under the ocean. He wasn't really a toady anymore. Well, um, wasn't that, isn't that Kevin Smith who, yeah, yeah. Kevin Smith wrote wrote it. So he's he got a sophisticated comic book and cinematic yeah. sensibility yeah. to bring to that to make it more. But that gives you so many tangents to go off on. And yeah. like Tila can have her own show now. And, yeah. you know, and you can come back and still have a He-Man show. And um, but I think it makes in that 
it, it, it seems kind of it was a little frustrating. Everybody wanted to be Marvel right away. And, you know, DC is obviously really floundered trying to make it work for a lot of different reasons. They just wanted to inst- like, well, we'll just start with Justice League, you know, and um, like Hasbro was talking about bringing out um, you know, they were trying to get G.I. Joe so they could have a crossover with Transformers and bring out Mask and Micronauts and all these like properties that people like. It would have been interesting to see uh, Megatron versus Mr. Potato Head eventually, but like, you know, everybody <laughs> wanted that. So I think you're seeing that a lot more with these. I think you're going to see much more complex henchmen because it gives an opportunity. Like we we're talking about the one that really doesn't necessarily that could usurp the leader or could go off on their own and have a whole other story behind it. It's yeah. just more complex characters, which is and great. Good for the henchmen, you know? Good for yeah. good for them. Yeah. They, rise yeah. they deserve their they own deserve opportunities, their shot. right? They do. I mean, you've um, always had the ones that'll walk into fire for the, for the boss. I mean, they for were the absolute ideology. cannon fodder for so many decades. <laughs> yeah. Now they're finally, you know, they can rise up to be something else. Like, that's great. <laughs> they're getting their turn. There's always a chance. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> uh, but I think you're right, Ben. That, <clears throat> that is a way... Especially for Netflix, who says, hey, guess what we want? You know, now we're talking business instead of just, you know, storytelling or character. Hey, we want to deal with Mattel so we can say we've got she came first, I think, where they have a whole separate thing for her. They've got Mm -hmm. the new He-Man in two different forms. They've got um, I thought there was another movie coming. Um, I think there is. Any one of those characters can become. In, in the kids' cartoon, too, any one of them could could branch off and kind of have their own spinoff series. So someone like Netflix, who probably does the Scientology thing where it's a million-year contract, <laughs> you're going to be stuck with us. They want that in intellectual property to go as far as it possibly can because they own it. So let's expand this and slowly you know, branch off instead of the original He-Man, which was really... I, I went back and watched some of the episodes, and you guys... That animation is just nothing. <laughs> it's like, like, <laughs> like kitchen table drawings on on, and it's so it's so funny to be so bad, but it was so all we had, you know, back then. To to see the idea of making it for a, a modern audience, it became interesting. Like when I went back and watched the old ones, I was like, "This is what we watched." Even the story was just so ju- juvenile from a writer's perspective. So from a yeah. From a storytelling perspective, to see what they've done with it, it feels like, oh, this could could really go someplace and be interesting to see this henchman have their own story. This henchman start their own offshoot. You know, henchmen can well, in I the Netflix world can become it, their own yeah. superpower, you know, superpower people. I think it's easy to look at these things and say like, oh, you know, these, these companies, you know, cashing in on, you know, being very capitalistic and just like a money grab, which I don't know, maybe true, but also at the same time, it's good for creators. It's good for artists. It's good for writers. Like if you can have these henchmen kind of creating their own, you know, their own pathways, that's a whole new team of artists who are working on that. And that's really great. And it's compelling for, for viewers too. It's, you know, intriguing. We're, we're, we're getting richer characters. The two dimensional character has become a three, whether it's out of a, a desire to, yeah, do something with them later in that in that show we're getting a better developed right, whatever the motives are and that's it they're not it's not characters. garbage it's not garbage yeah. that's going to breakfast cereals it's hey i want to watch i really want to watch more of this now because this is really well i was just really surprised at how well made both of those were i guess i didn't have faith that they were going to be as good as they were they were yeah they were excellent yeah it's amazing. they were excellent yeah yeah so yes henchmen yeah. i think have a place in the future to say 
I want to know. I want to know what they're, you know, what these secondary stories are because um, <laughs> from my psychological background, I don't know what kind of pain these people have gone through to want to just kind of throw themselves in with whoever they're with. I want to know what they, you know, what they might be able to do on well, their own. And they can, they can be in that spectrum, right? They can still serve the very basic purpose of planting the bomb yeah. in, you know, the mayor's office in Gotham City. Or they can be these, you know, really complex characters that rise up. They can be anything in between there. Like yeah. they're, they're really versatile. And without, now that, you know, we're talking about this, like without them, do we have compelling storylines? I mean, sure. A few, but you know, not as much. No, they're, they're real. They're real them. engine for a lot of our, our ideas. I mean, they're, well, they're definitely, they're always an obstacle for the protagonist. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and again, like, yeah. and whether one or one or multiple, like it's, uh, yeah. Well, you now know, you're even, giving uh, me an idea for another story that could be a temp agency that hires out henchmen specifically to hench there we <laughs> go they do. It's, it's 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 called henchman inc i've already got the there you the go there you go all right i want 1500 words did, by uh, next I, episode <laughs> it was going to be a coloring book to start with i've got uh, all right then. i've got the muscle i've got the butler uh, i've got the i've got the alligator trainer so that and, was all uh, leading lawyers. into this this is all leading into your no, it's something I've, I've played with. I think I think a lot of it has been. No, I think a lot of that has been explored a lot. The the, the fun structure of like they're not they're not just there for the cause. You know sure. what what's the real? Yeah, it's it, the joke is always they have great dental. Um, <laughs> it's hard to yeah, leave Deadpool a good job. Did a whole Deadpool did a whole thing with Hydra Bob, which was just like just the masked oh, yeah. henchman. In uh, I think he made it into one of the movies, but in the comics, he was a great character. And he was Very just like good. he just he was working for Hydra, but he wasn't buying any of it. Yeah, it was a disgruntled funny. Hydra agent and stuff like that. So I think a lot That's of that, I, I don't know, it, it would need a, a really unique idea to work. So, no, I'm not really throwing that out there, but it, it's something that crossed my mind because I, I love the characters and I love that they have become more complex. And um you know, there's some I'm, I'm trying to think. I know I had one coming into this, but like there's got to be instances where the, the henchman was more compelling than the villain themselves. And, so I think well, that, and when you think about it from a creative perspective, you can only tell the same hero's you know, story so many different ways before you want to explore somebody else's journey, too. And the next logical person would be if you've included a henchman in any of your stories or if you've thought of that, that trope or that that um, archetype your imagination kind of naturally slides over to, well, how about this guy on the side who's, you know, thinking all the thoughts, what do we do with him? And then it makes for a fun create, you know, for us to create something fun and new and kind of fresh. Well, and I had, I had one where I had these two, these, they were, uh, Willie and Coy were these two henchmen in one yeah. of the stories. Yeah. And um, they were named after Wiley Coyote. Cause that's what they were. They were my cartoon characters <laughs> trying to stop the protagonist on the road like they were don knots and tim conway and the apple dumpling gang right like they were just <laughs> and one of them has they grew on me and I delved into uh coy well, well both of them more and more and uh they've kind of become a bigger thing and uh you know they shed their they, they eventually shed their their henchman status and uh they're some of the most fun characters I get to play with. They were that's, their that's own stories one of my favorite now. stories. <laughs> yeah. When I think about, yeah. um, you know, henchmen who have outshone kind of the main antagonist, I think about when I wrote um, Calico in Apocalypticon, it's, a, I mean, I totally ripped it off. And I, I feel comfortable now saying that, knowing that Ben has ripped off all his characters. 
Um, <laughs> totally ripped it off from Cold Mountain. And I don't remember even who the main antagonist is in that book, in that movie. But the his sidekick is this character who is very um, acrobatic and really just brutal and lethal. I mean, Calico is is you know very much ripped off of that character, and I remember that character. I do not remember who the main antagonist is in Cold Mountain, even <laughs> though I loved that pushing. book and loved that movie. Yeah, so it's um, I you know I, I I think there are plenty of times, probably plenty of instances, if we really thought about it, where the the henchman or a henchman in particular uh, in, in any given story would be probably more compelling because a lot of them you know they they have to have their their thing they're good at. Yeah. Right. If they're kind of that higher level one and the antagonist is usually kind of a, you know, good at everything or good at nothing. And just kind of a, uh, you know, they really, I think, maybe are often more stock characters and they can kind of have the specialized yeah. people beneath them. And that specialization is what's really fun sometimes. I think you nailed it. I think that's it. I think giving them the fun trade is what sets them apart from the goons and the other the lower yeah. rungs. And even like even like Goldfinger, like uh, uh, he liked gold. Odd Job threw his hat. That was a lot cooler, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> and Odd Job did the painting. He was an artist. He painted the he painted the girls until they died. You know, so yeah. um, a, a lot of the Bond ones, like we had to struggle to remember Drax's name from Moonraker, but we remember Jaws, and it is that probably that defining characteristic that made him. But he he was one of the first ones too, where. Um, Another spoiler alert for you from the 1979 movie Moonraker. Um, Jaws falls in love. John falls in love with a girl with braces and turns oh. good at the end. <laughs> I remember that. And, I mean, what, what do you remember? A henchman we met oh, in the movie before. <laughs> yes. That's you got to watch them if you haven't hey, seen them. <laughs> so I don't, I can't think of any examples, but I'm sure they're out there. Can you think of any examples where? The henchman undoes the villain's plan and actually becomes the big bad instead of staying the henchman. It's kind of working their own angle and kind of takes over the the story. I can think of a few. Yeah, but I, none of them come up. To, yeah, I can't think of. It's a, an after the credit scene. It's like the ones I've seen. <laughs> the one I'm thinking of was uh, the King's Man. Oh, was yeah. kind of like that, and it was the like in the one? I haven't seen the yeah, newest one. It's, it's not that great. Oh, but I loved they were it. Hoping... <laughs> well, this is awkward. <laughs> well, it wasn't. It wasn't as well paced as the others. It was. It I've was, never it seen the different. others, so I guess I have. I mean, frame would Darth Vader count as this? Because like the Emperor is really he never took his place. From... He he yeah. ended the designs. He I guess so. Well, but like, maybe it depends on how long the story goes, and if you do go kind of. If you look at the whole into prequels arc, and go backwards, then you have. Yeah. That's interesting. I don't know. Cause he really, Darth Vader really is kind of a henchman. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he certainly is. But he also has achieved such villain status and such, you know. Yeah. Know. He kind of had his own echo through the. Through but the see, you wouldn't really think of him normally as the henchman, but he is the emperor's henchman. Yeah. And the stormtroopers are his. Yeah. He's just doing the dirty work. Well, wow. he's the protagonist of the first six movies. What a confusing right, thing. So. Oh, my goodness. And Lucas was messing go. with us. The further <laughs> they go, the more complex it gets. And it's, have you watched Obi-Wan? Has anybody watched mm -hmm. Obi-Wan? No, yeah. I'm so far behind all this stuff. I don't know. There's, so, man, there's so much. There's so much Star Wars content out there now. I if you, yeah, I lost, I, I didn't even finish the first season of The Mandalorian. 
I didn't watch that. And either. there's been so much since I just, I'm so far behind. I can't you can watch Obi-Wan without, yeah. it's independent of the other stuff they've done. So yes. you don't have to. And it's six episodes it's, and they don't seem very long. Yeah. So it's not a no, huge investment. Like, all right. That feels promising each. to me. All right. I'm yeah. gonna, I'll check it out. It's easy it's, to, it's easy to get through. It's all familiar all right. characters, you know, kind of in a version and some new people. So it's also familiar right. as, as opposed to Mandalorian. It felt like you have to get to know all these new, you know, right. people. So. Uh, I will only say my last thought, I think, on henchmen in general, Ben, is that um, as we're talking about this, henchmen, I think, are my favorite to write because they are so expendable. You can do whatever you want with them. Like they can they can rise up and overthrow your antagonist. They can die in the most insane, fun ways. Like <laughs> nothing you do to them is bad or wrong. And that's really fun. Yeah. You have the faceless ones that are just the army, the you know, stormtroopers, Cobra soldiers. Take out as many as you want. No one's going to miss them. They don't have families. Right. There's there's certainly that they're so very disposable is probably the best way to do it. And because they have such a history of being so colorful, I think it's it's lots of fun to um, like even had a one scene where there was uh, this Mr. Christopher I was talking about earlier was the bounty hunter. But it, there's a even just a, a page of like all the other ones that had come before kind of thing. And they were all I, I made them all like professional wrestlers. Right. They all had a <laughs> shtick. <laughs> and I love, and they all, of course, were undone by their whatever their shtick the happened to be. <laughs> right. So, like so the, the, guy, in- the guy with the bladed boomerang didn't duck, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. Like, you know, whatever it was. Escape something. Yeah, I agree. It's always more fun to write the big bad. And I'm starting to think that all the bad is really channeled into the henchmen. So you can keep the antagonist yeah. kind of kind of pure till the end. Maybe yeah. that's why there's so much fun to write. Yeah. They're vehicles for fun. That's really what they end up being overall. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, henchmen. Yeah. Here's to you. Sorry that we killed so many of you. And nothing gets done without a good henchman. Yeah. They're really the unsung heroes of the evil <laughs> organization. Do the henchmen get a pension? The henchman's pension? The henchman pension? Yeah. Ryan. Pension. Yes, it's but worth, it's been it's embezzled. It's not worth the mention. <laughs> it's been embezzled. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. this has obviously gone long Are enough. Done? <laughs> when the rhyming starts. It's rhyming. So right it's, over. yeah, I think, I think, I think we've had enough here. <laughs> right of idea when we turn into poets. I love it. That's, <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much, guys. I enjoyed that hearing your thoughts on henchmen. That was, was a lot fun. of fun. Thanks for bringing it up so we could talk about it. 